0: Welcome back to Round the Cauldron, where we talk theology, philosophy, and everyday life as a modern witch. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to help other witches find me. Don't forget, you can help support the show at patreon.com roundthecauldron the cauldron for as little as a dollar a month and get patron exclusive content. If you're ready to hop into the show, grab some coffee, pull up a seat, and join me round the cauldron. So, today's topic is going to be on covens, working solitary, and working within a circle. Now, before we hop into the topic, like always, I have announcements. Do I have announcements today? I don't think I have any announcements today. Shocker. Um. However, if you want to know more about the goings-on in my life, make sure that you hit the subscribe button down below if you're watching on YouTube. Um, Podcast listeners, if you want to know more about the goings-on in my life, you probably will want to head over to YouTube and uh, subscribe there because on Wednesday is my depth year check-in. We have now moved through... January and February, and we are into March. So, it is time for a depth year check-in. So, if you want to hear more about that, make sure that you're subscribed to my channel. Give the videos a thumbs up if you like them, and yeah, we can move on. Okay. So, just like in all of my episodes, full disclosure, I have never been part of a coven. I have never been interested in joining a coven. And... I have not been a part of a circle. I have generally been solitary uh, for most of my practice, but I have worked with some close friends and some family members in exchanging information and learning different things from each other. I wouldn't necessarily call that a coven or a circle, but it counts, right? Uh, So, we need to talk about what a coven is what a circle is, and what it means to be solitary. (laughs) Uh, Sorry if you can hear that in the background. My ferret has decided that it's time to wake up. Like she always does right in the middle of recording. So, sorry. She's gonna do what she's gonna do. Uh, So, first off, what is a coven? So, you if you've been listening for a while or watching for a while, you know that I like my definitions and I like my history and my sources. So, a coven, as defined by the dictionary, is literally just um, a group or gathering of witches who meet regularly. Now, it wasn't until 1921 when Margaret Murray suggested that um, all witches across Europe met in groups of 13, which they called covens. Now, I'm not sure when that became sort of the popular thing to do. And 13 just seems to be a really popular number probably because it's a prime number. It has um, the number 3 in it, which in a lot of um, occult practices, 3 is a sacred number. I am of the belief that they picked 13 because of the superstition of Friday the 13th as well as the fact that 13 people is generally a good amount of people to be able to socialize with the people in the group and not get too bogged down in having to remember who everyone is. And uh, 13 seems to be a good number for balanced group dynamics. How accurate that is, I'm not sure, Uh, but that's just, that's my thoughts on the idea of a coven in that respect. So, a coven is traditionally, according to Margaret Murray, um, a group of 13 witches who would get together and practice witchcraft together. Now, in a more modern time, a coven basically just goes along with the definition of what a coven is, which is a group of witches that are gathering together. Depending on the tradition, it can get more complex and complicated. Um, A lot of the times, uh, as far as my research and my experience uh, interacting with people who have been in or are currently in a coven, there can be a lot of structure, there can be a lot of rules, and that just... Is going to depend on the tradition of the coven and the uh, high priest and high priestess of that particular coven. I'll talk more about the pros and cons of a coven and the structure and everything in just a minute. But first, we need to talk about what a circle is. A circle is different than a coven. Um, a circle within witchcraft is has no structure, has no. Rules has no tradition that it follows. Now, there might be rules as far as who can attend uh, and the things that are talked about within the circle meeting, but a circle, it it's sort of like a study group is my understanding of it. A group of witches or people who are learning about witchcraft or a specific tradition get together, exchange information, read books together, teach one another, but... Without the structure and rules, and there's a word I'm looking for, um, without it being a coven, essentially, there's no initiation, there is uh, no degree system, there are no leaders, it's just a group of people getting together, studying, and learning from one another. So, that is the difference between a coven and a circle now a solitary practitioner is exactly what it sounds like. You are solitary. You are working on your own. You are not part of a coven. You are not part of a circle. Well, no, that's not true. You can be a solitary practitioner while still being part of a circle. Because a circle is not a coven, so you can practice your tradition and your craft on your own while still getting together with a circle and learning from other people. So, a solitary practitioner, again, is just a person who practices by themselves. I, myself, am a solitary practitioner, not part of a coven, not even part of a circle because I live in the boonies in Oregon. So, that's that. Anyway, um, so there's a question that I always see people asking when they first come to witchcraft or even Wicca or paganism in general, and that is the question of, Do I need to join a coven? Do I need to find a teacher or a circle? And like most things within witchcraft, that's going to be a very personal decision. Now, that decision being made within Wicca is a little different because a lot of traditions like Gardnerian and Alexandrian have inner circles. They have inner knowledge and they have degree systems and initiations and in my opinion, you cannot be a Gardnerian Wiccan without being initiated into a Gardnerian coven because it is a very specific tradition with very specific teachings that the outside world is not privy to. You have to be initiated and you have to reach a certain degree system or a certain degree level within the coven to basically have access to all of the information within that tradition. That is the way that I have come to understand it, I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. I'm okay with that. Um, But most of us are solitary practitioners. Most of us witches are solitary practitioners. Um, I don't know about Wiccans. I don't know if most Wiccans are solitary practitioners. I know that since the development of technology and the ability for us to really congregate in a virtual manner. There are covens that have developed that are completely online. Um, These can be through email lists or forums or Facebook groups or Tumblr or Twitter or their own specific website. And I think that's great. I think that is a great way for people across the country and across the world to get together and learn from each other. However, it's not for everyone. Um, I'm part of a couple of forums. It's nothing as structured as a coven. But uh, being part of, like, an open forum like that means that you need to be capable of having discernment and using critical thinking skills because not everyone is going to agree with you and not everyone is going to believe the same thing. So, On the topic of should you join a coven or not, again, very personal decision, and it's also going to depend on the tradition that you are wanting to pursue. So, if you are interested in something like the Gardnerian Gardnerian tradition or the Alexandrian tradition or any of those particular traditions that have degree systems with a limited supply of information to the general public, yes, you're probably going to need to join a coven unless you, by chance, find someone who was initiated or who did get all the way to whatever the highest degree was who is willing to share information with you. Um, I highly doubt that, though, because as far as I'm aware, most covens, um, when you are initiated, you become oath-bound to keep their secrets and keep the information of that coven and that particular tradition a secret. So, most, well, I keep saying most, but I'm not sure. As far as I'm aware, there are not many oath breakers when it comes to people who have left their coven and their tradition. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. But I have yet to come across someone who is claiming that this book that they wrote or this video that they made contains secrets and inner workings of those particular traditions simply because they tend to be oath-bound. So, now I want to talk a little bit about the pros and cons of each. The pros and cons of being in a coven, of being a solitary practitioner, and of joining a circle. Now, please keep in mind these pros and cons are simply from my perspective and from the way that I do things. I am a person... Who enjoys structure to a degree, so some of these things might resonate with you or not in the opposite direction of whichever way I say them so we'll we'll start with the pros and cons of being in a coven. So the first thing that I can say about being in a coven that is a positive would be the fact of you would have a community, you would have a group of people that you can hang out with, a group of people that you might grow close with. Um, it's my understanding that a lot of covens, and I think that I've read this in, I I think it was The Inner Mysteries by Janet Farrar and Gavin Bone. Um, I'll leave a link to that in the description and in the show notes. I think it was in this book that I read that the way they have structured their coven is in a democratic way, which is great. They vote for who the high priest and high priestess is going to be. They have terms and things like that. But they have people who want to join the coven come to a, a meeting or a gathering of some sort and they really see how that particular person's energy meshes with the rest of the coven if it doesn't mesh well or someone doesn't get along or something just doesn't feel right, then they turn that person away and say, I'm sorry, but this is not the right coven for you. So, if the coven that you find runs that way, you will probably have a sense of community in a way that you will get along with everyone. Everyone's energies will mesh well together. And along with the community aspect of it, that leads into the support of the community. Now, this is something that I find lacking a lot of times in my own path is I'm all by myself. So, if I were in a coven, I would have the support of the community. I would have elders who I would know and who I would be comfortable with I would be able to go to them when I have questions or when I'm struggling or when I just don't understand something, and I would be able to get that support and that assistance to help me see whatever it is that I'm not seeing, to help me understand something that I just don't get. And this could be support on a spiritual level, but it could also be support on an emotional level. Because if you go and you join a coven and everybody gets along great, you all become good friends and it sort of becomes like a second family. And if you're really struggling emotionally or something is going on in your life that you are just having a hard time with, your coven can become part of your support system and they can be there to lift you up and help you. You know, maybe you lost your job and you are having trouble paying rent. That is the time when a coven or a community would really come in, I say come in handy, but that's the time when it would really be beneficial to be part of a coven because you have that community that you already have a rapport with and they would be able to help you out. Another pro of being part of a coven, whether it be an in-person coven or an online coven, is the ability to be exposed to new perspectives, to new ideas of um, magic and the way it works, to new schools of thought. I think that's really important in any tradition, in any religion, or even for someone who's not theistic at all. Uh, Having that ability to step out of your comfort zone and learn something new and learn it from someone that you might not have spoken with before. That's really important to me anyway. Um, I think having the knowledge and being open to new ideas and new perspectives really helps you grow as a person but also on a spiritual level because maybe you're struggling with something and then someone comes along and gives you a new perspective and all of a sudden everything clicks together because you've got that perspective from someone else and it really made sense to you. It's also a good thing to get different perspectives and hear other people's thoughts and opinions because it's good to exercise those critical thinking skills. It's good to use your brain and use your discernment in what you do in your spiritual practice. I will always go back to that example of when I was first studying Wicca as a young girl that I came across a website that had a spell to tell me how to change my eye color. And they didn't mean in glamour magic. They meant physically and physically change your eye color. Now, you cannot change something that is genetic with magic, in my opinion, you can't. I've never seen it happen. You cannot physically change your eye color in the same way that you cannot physically become a mermaid or a dragon, okay? Now, as someone who grew up with a logical way of thinking, I I immediately knew that this spell was crap. Now, I didn't think that it was crap at first because it was telling me that I could physically change my eye color. It was crap because the way they told you to do the spell is to get a candle of the color that you wanted your eyes to be and then drip the wax into your eyeball. They wanted you to drip the wax into your eyeball. Okay. Now, (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that. Now, being able to use your discernment and your critical thinking skills might not happen as often as you would think if you're working on your own and if you don't have a support system of any kind to help you build those skills. Now, I knew that dripping hot wax into my eye was a bad idea because I had those critical thinking skills and the ability to discern that Even though this says this is magic and maybe this is the way magic works, I still didn't want to drip hot wax into my eye. Now, there are people out there who don't have the ability or the capability to use that discernment and critical thinking. There are people out there who will read something like that and think, well, this is just how magic works. Uh, I'm gonna trust the spell, and I'm gonna trust that I'm gonna say these words and I'm gonna do the do this thing, and that when I put this wax in my eye, it's not gonna burn. it's gonna change my eye color. Now, having the ability to get new perspective, that was a really that was that was like a tangent. okay. That was kind of off topic, i I guess. but it still makes sense to me in the fact of having the ability to hear other people's perspectives and other people's ideas and the way they think makes your critical thinking skills and your confidence in what you know and what you believe stronger. So, that's a long way of saying that that is a benefit of being part of a good coven. Now, there are bad covens out there, but that's a different topic. Now there are some that argue that being in a coven it gives you the ability to learn at a faster pace, and I can see how that would be um, how that would be true because when you're in a coven, depending on the way you learn, you might do better with that structure, and maybe they have the ability to hold classes and workshops and things like that, and then also. On top of it, having that support system and those people that are there for you can help you to learn faster because you have um, easier access to more information. Burn it down! Hey, this is Nightshade, host of Flatline to Beatline, and you're listening to Round the Cauldron. If you like what you hear, then support this podcast in any way that you can and help it break through the noise. Now, on to the cons, in my opinion, of joining a coven. I'm going to list them here really quick, and then I'll go ahead and talk about them. So, the cons, in my opinion, of joining a coven is structure, rules, motivation, responsibility, and mental health. Now, these cons apply specifically for me maybe they resonate with you maybe they don't and that's okay um, but I want to talk about structure and rules first I one of the main reasons I don't want to join a coven is because of the structure and the rules I enjoy being able to be free in my practice I don't want to, join a coven, have to go through initiation, have to do all of these things to hit the first degree, have to do all of these things to hit the second degree, or however that coven works. Some covens also have very specific rules on what you wear. Um, I have seen examples of where covens have said, if you are female presenting, you cannot cut your hair. I have seen examples of covens who have dietary restrictions based just on their coven alone. Um, And that's not really something that resonates with me. I enjoy being able to practice freely. I enjoy being able to eat what I want. Um, But those sorts of structures and rules don't work well for me. Now, there is one thing that I would enjoy about the structure of a coven, but the cons for it outweigh what I would enjoy. I would enjoy the part of being in a coven where that coven has classes and workshops and a structured way of learning because that is something that sometimes I do struggle with, but it's more along the lines of having access to resources. And I guess we can put that in the pros of joining a coven is access to resources. So, the structure and the rules are something that I just find not appealing about joining a coven. Now, there's also the idea of responsibility. I have enough responsibility in my life with being a mother, being a freelancer, being a partner, and taking care of the home and doing everything that I have to do that I do not want the added responsibility of being a fully functioning member of a coven. There are some days where I just cannot do anything because I've got so much work to do or because I have a sick child or something is going on in my life. And when you're part of a functioning coven, a lot of times each member of the coven is given a specific task or some sort of responsibility either for the coming ritual or something like that. And I just do not have the capacity, especially right now, to take on an added responsibility that would come with joining a coven. Now, I know not all covens are like this, but in my experience, this is what I have learned. Along with the idea of responsibility comes the idea of motivation. I'm going to group this in with mental health too, and that part might just apply specifically to me, and that's okay. But I have several mental health diagnoses that can sometimes render me completely incapacitated um, if I forget to take my meds for a couple of days or if I'm just having a really crappy day. Um, If you're new here and this is one of the first things that you're listening to, I have been diagnosed with major depressive disorder, mild OCD, PTSD, and generalized anxiety disorder. Combine that with the fact that I currently am having some physical body issues. Um, Sometimes I don't have the spoons to do anything. And sometimes I don't have the motivation to do anything because I know that either um, a bad day is coming because sometimes I can just feel them coming on. And sometimes I just don't have the motivation to do anything because I'm just having a bad day. So me not joining a coven is a good thing for my mental health. Now, there are some things about being a solitary practitioner that are not good for my mental health, but there are steps that I have taken to really counteract those. So, for me, joining a coven would not be good for my mental health. I am a perfectionist. I have mild OCD. I would... I'm a people pleaser when it comes to things like that. So, if I were to join a coven, I would feel guilty if I had to miss a coven meeting or miss a ritual or if I wasn't able to commit to a responsibility. And I'm also an introvert and I am an empath. So, I cannot handle being around people of high energy for long periods of time even with all of my shielding and all of my energetic defenses, it still drains me in the manner of my mental health. And so, for me, joining a coven would be bad for my mental health. All right. So, we can move on now to talking about the pros and cons of being a solitary practitioner. Um, I don't have pros and cons written down for uh, being part of a circle but I'll talk about that in a second. So, for the pros of being a solitary practitioner, for me, obviously, the first one is freedom. I have the freedom to practice how I want. I have the freedom to do an elaborate full moon ritual or do a really simple one or just light a candle because that's all I can handle. And this freedom goes with basically everything because for me, I'll I'll give you an example. A lot of traditions and a lot of practices have very particular correspondences for colors and herbs and different things like that. I, however, do not. I have some that are heavily corresponded with particular things, but for me, my correspondences are emotional and they are based on the spirit of whatever that is. So, I've written a blog post about it, and I'll link that in the description in the show notes below. But for me, correspondences are all about the emotion and the energy that I get from that specific thing. So, we'll use color as an example. Uh, Say, let's see, blue is generally a very calming color. That is what its association is. Its association is... Calming and relaxing and deepness and things like that. Traditionally, those are the uh, associations with the color blue. Say, however, that you had a near-death experience and you almost drowned. You're not. You're probably not going to associate the color blue with being calm, because you almost drown in like the ocean or something and you look at the ocean and it's blue. And looking at the color blue reminds you of that experience and instead of being calm, it terrifies you. So, if you're doing a spell that calls for a blue candle because it is calming, the color blue is calming, and you use the color blue because that's what the spell says, but you're terrified the whole time uh, subconsciously because of the association with that color your spell's not going to be effective because you are emotionally invested in something else. So, the way I view correspondences is a little different. Say you're that same person and you blue terrifies you, but uh, lilac, a light color purple, is calming to you. I would use the light color purple in that spell. I wouldn't stick with whatever whoever said that you needed a blue candle. I would use whatever color brought that emotion to me. So, again, that goes back to having the freedom to practice how you practice. Another pro for me of being a solitary practitioner is the fact that my learning and my education is self-paced. Now, this isn't going to hold true for everyone because, in my opinion, to have A good foundation and a good educational structure, and have it be self paced. You have to be self motivated. You have to be able to section out time in your day or say, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to read this book or I'm going to learn about this thing. Self paced work is not for everyone, but for me, that is a pro of not being in a coven. I can work at my own pace, I can learn at my own pace, and I can skip things that I'm not interested in. Going along with the idea of being self-paced, I also have the ability to create my own structure um, being a solitary practitioner. So, for me, since I work from home and I freelance and I do the podcast and YouTube, I have to create my own structure anyway. I have to block out time to learn about specific things that I'm interested in or do specific things that relate to my craft and my practice. And I like having that ability to really schedule out my own day. And I don't have to rely on anyone else to tell me when I need to go to lunch, when I need to learn about a specific thing, or that I have to wait to learn about a specific thing until somebody else catches up. I like having my own structure. And lastly, a pro of being a solitary practitioner for me is the fact that it can save me spoons. Now, if you don't know what the spoon theory is, I will also link that in the description and in the show notes below, but if you've been here for a minute, you've probably heard me talk about it. I'm not going to go into the whole, like, what is the spoon theory. You can read about it below from the person who created it, but this goes along with mental health. Being a solitary practitioner means that I have the ability to gauge my own capacity on any given day. So, say I was part of a coven and um, a week before a ritual, I was feeling great and everything was going well. And I said, yeah, you know, I will definitely bake a cake for the ritual, right? Well, at that point, I had committed myself. To baking a cake for a ritual, and I now have an entire coven counting on me for the after ritual food. But then, when it comes to the day of the ritual, say, I have no spoons. I have no ability to pull myself out of bed or pull myself together to actually bake the cake. They might say, Well, you just go to the store and buy one, but that's not what I committed to. And Being a solitary practitioner means that if I'm having an off day, if I'm having a bad pain day, if I'm having a bad mental health day, I can take that needed break without letting anyone down and without uh, feeling guilty about missing out or that other people are missing out because I'm not feeling well. And that is something that's really important to me. Now, there are a couple cons to being a solitary practitioner, and again, I'm just going to list them out. It can be lonely, it can be shallow, and motivation and responsibility play a big role. So, it can be lonely because you're often by yourself. You don't have a group of people that you can go to for that support generally. Now, this is speaking solitary as in you don't even go to a circle, okay? We're going to talk about circles in a second. But it can be lonely being by yourself. And if you are not an introvert and you really need that socialization aspect of your faith, you probably will not do well as a solitary practitioner. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, however, I don't need that social aspect And sometimes I don't want it. I am a person who, prior to my career working in um, the health information management field at the hospitals before I started freelancing, um, I worked retail. I was around people all day long. And if you've never worked retail count your blessings. Um, There are some people that love it, but if you are an introvert and an empath like I am, working retail is stressful and it is draining physically, mentally, and spiritually. So, I am not a person that needs the socialization. I am not a person that needs to talk to people and have a large community or anything of the sort. I am perfectly happy working on my own. Now, when I say that being a solitary practitioner, your practice can be shallow, what I mean by that is that it can be hard to move past that superficial level of information. It can be hard to dig deeper into your spiritual practice if you don't have a group of people or something to make you question or to make you curious. And I see that happening a lot with a lot of people who are new or who have been practicing Wicca for a long time and they are just stuck and they don't know where to go from there and they think maybe they're done learning, maybe there's nothing else to learn. That is a con of being by yourself in your practice is that it can be shallow if you don't know where to look, and who to turn to to help you dig deeper into your own spiritual practice. Now, I put motivation and responsibility over here in the cons because while I said that being a solitary practitioner requires you to have motivation and be self-motivated to do things at your own pace, sometimes that can be difficult for people. And at this point, If you're a solitary practitioner, the responsibility for your education lies solely on your shoulders. And there is no one else there who would be responsible for your education because you're on your own. So if that's something that you're not comfortable with, then I would suggest joining a coven or finding a group of like minded people. But a con of being a solitary practitioner, if you're not capable of motivating yourself and being self-paced and being responsible for your actions, you might not have a good time. (laughs) I mean, it can be something that can be learned. Um, I know that when I first started working from home and being a freelancer and being my own boss, I really had to rewire my brain, essentially, to be self-motivated and hold myself accountable for the work that I was or wasn't getting done because I was doing something else. So, the same thing holds true within your spiritual practice and within Wicca or your witchcraft or anything else for that matter. So, sometimes if you need it, that support system can be a good thing to have around. Now, I said earlier that you can be a solitary practitioner and still be part of a circle and that holds true. So, a circle is essentially a non-committed coven for the solitary practitioner and a lot of the things that are cons of being a solitary practitioner can be solved by joining a circle and for some people, that is a valid option. For people like me who live away from everyone, it's not an option for me because if I were to even find a group of people, I would have to drive into town and I would just prefer not to do that and I like to be by myself. So, if you are someone who needs that in-person support, um, I would definitely recommend looking, um, I can't recommend WitchVox anymore because they shut down, um, I would definitely recommend things like Meetup, um, Facebook, or maybe if you have a local metaphysical shop, they will generally know of any circles or covens in the area. And if you're a person that doesn't have access to that in-person support system, definitely reach out online. I know there are tons of groups on Facebook. There are forums and message boards and newsletters and places where community is being built for that specific purpose. And that's one of the whole reasons, honestly, that I do this because I don't have the ability to have that in-person support because I don't have anyone in my area. But I know that here online on this platform, I have the ability to share what I know but I also have the ability to learn from everyone else and get the perspective of others. And like I said, that is something that is super important to me. So, just because you don't have access to an in-person circle doesn't mean that you don't have access to a circle in general. And lastly, I guess I don't have any other thoughts on joining a coven. Um... It's not something that's necessary for witchcraft. It might be necessary for particular traditions within Wicca. I myself probably will not join a coven. I will probably not start my own coven. It's not something that I have an interest in. And I do do like the communities that I am a part of on Facebook and the people that I meet here on YouTube and within the podcast and all of my social media platforms. That is a big part of my community and my support system. And just because it's virtual, just because it's online doesn't mean it's not valid. So, please don't think you have to join a coven to be a witch. Um, If it's something that you want to do, that's great. Um, If you don't want to do it, that's great too. I'm not here to tell you what to do. Um, And I guess lastly, if you're a part of a coven... I'd really like to hear your perspective on this. I'd really like to hear other people's thoughts on the pros and cons of being in a coven or being a solitary practitioner. So, if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to leave me a comment in the comments box below. If you're listening on the podcast, you can go to the show notes page for this episode. You can call in. Um, There is actually a link that will be in the description. there's actually a link that will be in the show notes to leave a voice message through Anchor, which is my podcast hosting platform. Um, you can do that. You can email me, find me on all of my social media. All of those links, as always, are in the show notes in the description. But I would really like to hear everyone else's thoughts and what you think about joining a coven or not joining a coven. So I will talk at you later. Bye for now.